ABF Creative. ABF the following podcast contains emotional and graphic descriptions of death by gun violence and is not intended for children to listen to without parental consent. Acting Essex County Prosecutor Carolyn A. Murray and Orange Police Director John Wade announced today that the Orange Police Department and the Essex County Prosecutor's Office are investigating that fatal shooting of Jordan Bryan, a 23-year-old of Orange. Authorities say Bryan was fatally shot in the 400 block of Cary Street last night and was pronounced dead at 8.05 p.m. Authorities said at this time no arrests have been made. The investigation is active and ongoing. Anyone with information is asked to contact My name is Paulina Bryan, and I'm from Orange, New Jersey. Jordan was my kid that if all my kid, if I had all my kids go to the left, he would go to the right. He just had his own path, his own way of thinking, his own way of doing things. So he was that type of child that I was just telling the story earlier that at, he spoke at nine months, but he didn't walk until he was 15 months. And he would not call me mommy. He would call me Awa, which was Paula, <laughs> instead of mommy when he first started talking. He was just a different type of kid. He had a big heart. They used to call him the mayor when he was in elementary school because he knew everybody. He was friends with everybody. So he was he was a good kid. He was a, a great kid, and he... He just, he loved people. He would he would fight with his brothers and sisters all the time, and he, he was just like a rebel. And he would he would call my little sister, she was chunky, he would call her fatness. Like, I'm like, when I, would talk, I was like, who's fatness? He was like, you know who I'm talking about. You, I'm talking about her. Like, he had a, like a, he was like five. Like, he was calling her fatness. So he, he just had quirks, and he was just like a funny kid. Like, he was just a funny kid. My, me, my husband, and my kids, and my stepkids, everybody lived together. My house is the house, what they call the central. Like, everybody knows where I live. I said, when I move, I'm going to move into the cut. Because no matter what, I live, like, on Main Street. So people drop, I was like, oh, I just stopped by to come to your house, you know, to see what you guys were doing. That's the type of house that I have. Like, everybody comes to my house to visit. Like, everybody. And this house has been in the, the family for over 50 years. So everybody knows where the house is. Everybody comes to the house. It's like a friendly house. Friendly house, friendly house. Jordan began hanging out with a bad crowd, but here's the difference with Jordan. Jordan, I used to say all the time, you're the king of the misfits. Like everybody who was like a misfit was drawn to Jordan. And I told him, you have to start hanging out with people that are smarter than you, not that, not the people that you're smarter than, because you're hanging out with the wrong crowd. Jordan was... I want to say he's like a moody kid. Like, if he didn't like something, he just didn't like it. It wasn't, you weren't going to change his mind about it or anything about it. He would, if you said something to him like, all right, your friend such a, oh, my friend, you don't know my friend. Um, you haven't been around them. He was, he didn't take uh, constructive criticism very well. And, you know, so he was just like, he would get really cranky if you try to, put him on the right path like I said in the beginning all other all of my other kids if you tell them to go to the left they're going to the left if you tell Jordan to go to the left he's going to the right he was just on his own different path well when Jordan would get upset he would just yell and scream and you know he wouldn't do any physical things but he would do a lot of yelling and screaming and things like that 
But as far as anything physical, anything like that, he, I think he was a little, what I want to say, like he would talk, but he wouldn't act. But when Jordan was happy, he would laugh and they, he would like to watch movies. Every night before he went to bed, he would always come and hug and kiss me and, and his dad every single night. Every single night. Sometimes you'll wake up because my husband and I have the super duper king size bed. He might even be in the middle of us sleep. He was that type of kid. He had an active spirit and he was just. Some days he would keep the happiness going. Like if the kids were there and Jordan was there, it was loud. It was festive. And then if Jordan was upset, it could be he. everybody in the house is upset because Jordan's upset. So he went from kind of one, one extreme to the other. Well, the morning began for me because we were having a cookout. So my husband had the grill. We had family over. And um, every backyard was packed. I'm sitting here with my friend that I hadn't seen in a while. We're in the living room. So she said, oh, my God, Jordan, you got, you, you're so big. He was like, yeah, I got big. And I just slapped him on his stomach. I said, oh, that's my fat boy now. And then he walked out the house. He said, I'm going to, he said to me he was going to pick up my cousin Stormy. He said, all right, I'll be back, Ma. So he went out the house, he did a, he spoke to everybody in the backyard, you know, he talked for a little bit and he turned around in his car and he went up the street. So when he went up the street, I'm sitting in the living room with my friend. I hear something like, it wasn't like pop, pop, pop. It was boom, 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 boom. And I hear his friend scream his name. So when I heard that, my husband, my, the, the party stopped and my husband and I start running towards the car because we saw his car had crashed into another car. So when we get up there, I don't see him in the car. I see that the airbag is out. My husband looks to the left. There he goes laying right there on the ground. So I run over to him and I turn him over and the police come and they say, ma'am, you have to, we don't know what the shooter is. I said, this is my fucking son. I'm not going anywhere. So the cop, he started doing compressions on his chest and I'm blowing in Jordan's mouth and I'm talking to him. I'm like, Jordy, mommy loves you. Mommy loves you. Please don't leave me. Mommy loves you. And then my other son, Tyler, and my little brother was at work and I don't know how they got from uh, West Caldwell to Orange in like minutes, but they were there. So the whole family was there. The neighbors were there, everybody. And I'm doing breathing and the police officers doing chest compressions and he was trying to talk to me but he couldn't say anything he couldn't say anything so I knew when the ambulance came he had passed away because it was seemed like his spirit left his body and came into my body so people are always like why are you so happy whatever I can't help it because I feel that he's in my body My husband, he he doesn't take, uh, he doesn't know how to handle situations well. That's kind of like my job in a relationship. He can't talk. He can't do anything. He's emotionless and he can't cry. He's just standing there. He just can't function. So that's my, how my husband was taking the whole situation. And he, um... He just, he couldn't touch Jordan. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't speak. He couldn't do anything. So what happened was um, Jordan with his, you know, he has a lot of friends. A few days prior to Jordan's 
uh, being murdered, another kid in the town was murdered. And the person that they thought who murdered that kid was supposedly my son's friend, and they thought that kid was in the car with Jordan because Jordan had tinted windows. The kid wasn't in the car with Jordan. So when they shot, they just shot the car, and Jordan was in the car. But um, when they shot the car up and things like that, it just made me remember, and he... I remember, like, the airbags. I remember, like, the big bullets. There were... They, he was killed with an M16. He was shot seven times with an M16. And he only weighed 147 pounds. The bullets were huge. That's why the sound of the acoustics of the gun was so loud. And um, I remember them putting him into the ambulance... And then once they put him in the ambulance, I, I looked in the window and I saw they weren't working on him. That's how I knew he was actually really had passed away. And then the police asked me, did I want to ride to the, to the hospital? I'm like, no, I could drive myself. So I drove myself down. And then we went to the ER and then you could see up the long hallway that they just had him laying there. Like he, there wasn't nobody was working on him. So I knew my son had passed away. And um, maybe a few minutes later, they called us to the back. They, they came into the room. They told us he passed away, which I already knew. I couldn't even cry at the time. So, And I went to the back, and we, my husband and I and my cousins and his girlfriend went to the back. And I actually took a piece of his dreadlocks. So, you know, for me to have. So I did take a piece of his dreadlocks. So I do have that. And then we said our goodbyes, and we went home. And... For some reason, I had the most peaceful sleep that night. I slept until like 10 o'clock the next morning. I don't know why, but it was just so peaceful for me. I don't know why. No, I don't think justice was served. One of the, first of all, they, they said there were four people in the car, which when I was running up the hill, I saw people scatter, but I couldn't tell, you know, you couldn't see the faces of who was there. But they caught one of the kids on the train tracks up above. The irony about the whole thing, my town is 2.2 miles, and the kid that shot my son was 18 years old, and he actually was on the football team with my son Tyler when he was the captain of the football team. So, and this 2.2 mile radius town, everybody knows everybody. The father of one of the kids that killed my son, he went to high school with my cousins and he used to come to our house. The next day after he was murdered and, you know, you go down to court and you go see, you know, the person who actually murdered your child and they come out and they, you know, charge them with murder or, you know, whatever the charges are. I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking like to myself, I'm going to have an open mind because no parent wants to be a, a parent of a murdered child or a murderer. However, as I'm sitting there, I see this bunch of family members just rowdy, rowdy in the courtroom. And the one lady said, oh, I talked to my son. He's ready to get his teardrop. I heard that a teardrop means that if you kill someone and you get a teardrop, that's like a a badge of honor that you murdered someone. So I'm like, that's crazy because you're in a room with a whole bunch of people, so you don't know who's who. So when they called the murderer of my child to the to the stand, I guess, or to the table or whatever, 
his mom stands up and this is the lady that said her son is ready to get his teardrop. And I looked at her and my whole uh, perspective about his murder changed because when he was first shot, I was ready to at least work with the parent of a murdered, you know, a murderer. Like, you couldn't have wanted your son, to, you you couldn't want to be a, a parent of a, mur- a murderer. You could not have wanted to be that. And I guess I was wrong. And I was thankful at the same time because I was, I thought to myself, I would rather be a mother of a murder child than a murderer. When Jordan passed away, the house became quiet, like as if the whole dynamic changed because Jordan was not there because he was like the the spirit of the house. I I have spurts. Like sometimes I I think about what my son's body has gone through, 147 pounds and almost a five inch bullet shooting you seven times. I sometimes think about he doesn't have any kids. His like, you know, his legacy is not going to live on. Um, I cry sometimes when I, and most of the times when I cry is when I think about my other kids, like they miss him so much. So it's mostly like when I think about my other kids, I cry. When I think about myself and my husband, I don't cry. I just don't. But when my other kids, I think about them because his older brother that lives in Florida used to call me all the time and say, is he really dead? Is he really dead? I have to say, yes, he's really dead. So those are the times that really get me. Like any other time, I'm good. But if my kids call and talk about the, talk about him and they miss him, that's when it like really hurts my heart. The blessing that came out of that, my oldest son in Florida, he named his daughter after him. So we have another Jordan and another Jordan Bryan in the family. So which that makes me happy. I gave my all to my son at the sentencing of the two kids. One only got five years and one got 15 years. So those years, that time doesn't amount to anything. But I made a decision that everything I do from this day forth, I'm going to do in the name of my son to make his legacy, you know, live on. And also I know that every day that I go to sleep and wake up, I'm a day closer to seeing him again. So... That's the way I live my life. I'm going to live in a positive manner. And that's the way I'm going to live my life. For some people, these responses can be overpowering. If you feel the need to talk to someone, support is available. You can call the National Distress Helpline at 1-800-985-5990 which is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year.